You're listening to Decay Mag Sessions. Exclusive interview. Filmmaker Christopher Lawrence Chapman. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Ken Artuz, founder of DK Mag. You can find us at DECAYMAG.com and you are listening to DK Mag Sessions, an exclusive interview segment in which we'll feature conversations slash interviews with filmmakers, composers, screenwriters, musicians, all within the horror, thriller, science fiction film community. And in this episode, we have the pleasure of speaking with, for the second time, filmmaker Christopher Lawrence Chapman. Back in October 25th, 2016, Enid Artuz, content contributor here at DK Mag, interviewed Mr. Chapman, and the topic of conversation at the time was for his upcoming release, Inoperable, which stars Daniel Harris, Katie Keene, Isabella, Sofia, Mina, and Chris Hahn, to name a few. Since then, All Quiet was on the Western Front with Inoperable until it was released on Video On Demand and we have exclusive film review. You could catch the review on DK Mag titled Inoperable Storms with Timeless Performances Concepts. In this second interview, we're speaking with Mr. Chapman again to revisit Inoperable. This recording was conducted on the 20th of December 2017 and we had a little bit of technical setback but plan B pulled out to be very resourceful and we got the interview in. It is done. So without further ado, here is our second interview with filmmaker Christopher Lawrence Chapman, director and writer for Inoperable. Great. And the last time uh, we spoke, well, your wife, my wife and I, my wife spoke with you back in October 2016. And during that time, Inoperable was in post-production. Uh, please fill us in on since what has happened since then till now. Oh, right. Okay, so yeah, I spoke with it. It's, it's Enid, correct? That is correct. Right, so I spoke with Enid back uh, in fall 2016, and around November or December, we signed a distribution agreement with ITN, <clears throat> and then um, and they just so happened to be the same uh, distributor for Clown Town, uh, and we were approached by um, you know multiple distributors, but um, the other producer Jeff Miller had a had a experience with with ITN in the past, and um, uh, liked their relationship, and so we we ended up ultimately going with them. Uh, and I want to say that was November or December, or we or sometime around winter of sixteen, um, and then early or early seventeen, we signed a distribution deal. And then you know you go into the deliverables uh, phase where you have to provide um, to the distributor all sorts of files, um, you know, still images, um, you know, 
ProRes files, uh, timestamp files, uh, low-resolution files, um, you know, all the audio uh, trailers. You know, it's, it's basically it's a bunch of a bunch of um, things and you know files that you have to deliver to the to the, to the uh, distributor. So we did that, and then then it was just kind of a matter of waiting for the distributor to figure out when they wanted to time uh, a release. And so um, they, it, it became um, kind of the plan to go with a uh, theatrical, a limited theatrical distribution um, into uh, 10 U.S. cities, um, in which they did um, what ended up doing it December 1st, I believe. But originally it was going to happen a lot earlier, maybe September or October. Um, but there were some issues um, <laughs> with the hurricane um, Irma here in Florida that um, kind of postponed some of those times, I believe, for the theatrical scheduler. And but anyway, ended up you know, going into some theaters on December 1st. Played for I believe a week or so, and then um, right now we're looking at a video on demand, uh, a VOD release date. I think like the first or second week in February. Um, so we're waiting on that, um, and you know, I believe Walmart has, from what I understand, Walmart has uh, is picking up the film. I think Redbox, and this is all what I've been told. I haven't, you know, confirmed any of this myself personally, but this is what I've been told. So yeah, so it should be, you know, right now on just our, just the Zoria Films YouTube channel, uh, we're at over 17 million views on the trailer for an operable on just the Zoria Films YouTube channel. And some there's some other channels showing it, you know, that have, you know, anywhere from a few thousand uh to six, seven hundred thousand and then ours is over seventeen million. So it's pretty fun. It's it's definitely it's definitely uh exciting and interesting as to what's happening with that. First, thank you for that information. And I, fortunately, I was waiting so patiently since the last time we spoke about the film and waiting patiently for this release. And let me tell you, this is one of those films that you just look forward to. And one of the striking things, and I did note in my review, is the focus on a Latino, or in this case, a Latina, in a very pivotal role in the film. Can you uh, share some insight on this particular character? Right. So um, basically there's a character, and I don't want to really give too much away to people that you know haven't seen it, but basically there's a character that you'll see in an operable kind of wandering the halls, and it's a kind of a somewhat of a ghostly figure, um, and it's a, a character named Ophelia. And, you know, her soul is kind of trapped in this, uh, the halls of this hospital. But there is a sequence uh, later in the film that kind of reveals a little more about who this person is. And the, the, the woman that plays that character is, uh, her name is Crystal Cordero. And she's, she's in fact, yeah, she's Latin American. Um, I don't know, I think she's from, I, I don't want to butcher it, but she's either from the from Dominican Republic or Honduras or um, or combination of, you know, and, and I, I, know, I know her actually pretty well. Um, so I know she's told me, but I, I you know, I, I don't remember because I don't want to butcher it. So I don't know exactly 
but uh but yeah so anyway we we cast her and um um i had seen her act uh, she's a sag actress and i'd seen her act in in some things and had known her i'd met her on another project and um you know i i wanted to have you know i like uh diversity obviously in, in films but i i wanted to have someone that was that was not you know i wanted to have a role that that might not have been uh, or 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 an actor playing a role that might not have been the standard kind of cookie cutter um actor or role for somebody so the fact that you know she's um she is she definitely you know latina um and it was it was a deeper character than i think as you mentioned um you know accurately so uh, that was different from how uh, Latinas are typically cast. Um, it seems that um, you know Hollywood, or or as it uh, you know some other productions might cast. And of course, there's exceptions to this, and that goes without saying. But usually, it seems like to me anyway that Latinas are usually cast as either really tough, kind of battle-hardened um, women, or you know, gun-carrying, you know tank driving, you know, just kind of badasses or they are the opposite of a very, you know, attractive, very uh, sultry, sexy, um, sometimes scantily clad uh, woman, which is the problem that I have with that is that's not really, that's not really an accurate, I mean, that's not an, that feels like what Hollywood was doing in the 1930s uh, with, with white females. And that is, oh, we can only make them you know, uh, innocent or dumb or just just eye candy, and and it's it, obviously we're far away from that now, thankfully, and and it's still kind of surprising to me that the Latina actresses ha- are still getting cast for those kind of two kinds of roles, and of course I, I recognize there are exceptions. I mean, I know some shows personally that I that I have watched in the past where there's definitely exceptions to that, but those typically tend to be um, shows that are more uh, produced more for a Latin audience. Um, so to me, you know, I felt that that was something that we could explore. And, and for me, it's natural uh, because, you know, I live in Florida and and Tampa and we have um, a big uh, Cuban uh, and then, you know, Latin American population. Um, and so for me, it's just natural to interact on a regular occasion with uh you know Latinos and Latinas and that so for me it's obvious and probably like you it's obvious as well that that's not it's not that their girls are either really badass or really beautiful. There's a huge in between. And so um to me it was just kinda natural and so but what what you said in your review really hit home because for me and you, Ken, it was probably obvious that well yeah i mean clearly you know latin american females have a lot more depth than what's being depicted uh so but but when you mentioned it it was it kind of dawned on me that that you were indeed correct um and i had kind of thought that but i had not had that kind of infer a, a kind of confirmed from somebody that might have been more dialed into that so i really thank you for that um you know kind of um I don't know what you want to call that, but kind of props. Thank you for that. So I, I really appreciate it. But, but I mean, to me, it was just, and, and probably like you, it's just a little more natural to do that sort of thing um, and cast a Latina in a, in a role that's just kind of more, 
you know, either interesting or standard or, or uh, something you just see, you know, maybe a, a regular, um, you know, a white, you know, white woman playing, if that makes sense. So I don't know if that answered your question. I hope, I hope I did. But if not, please, you know, please, uh, please let me know and I'll, I'll, I'll give you more info on that. No, 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 definitely. You did answer the question. And uh, that's one of the things that I uh, pay attention to, not only in, in horror films, science fiction films, but films in general. Because I feel that we have moved so far from the stereotype roles, and although it's pretty much still permanent in Hollywood films, I've right. seen a big shift in the indie scene, and and that's right. a huge right. applause to all filmmakers that are. Well, and that's really you know to me, um, and I don't want to you know cut off my nose here you know despite my face or or say anything that's going <laughs> to get me you know some potential, you know, I don't know, financier of, of, a, of a film for me. But, you know, to me, it, it's annoying that you don't see more um, you know, Latin American kind of people in films. And it, and it seems, but, but, it, but it does, it seems like they're, you're usually, it, it's like, whoever, I don't know, who, whoever is writing these or whoever's producing or whoever's making these decisions, to me, it just doesn't, I don't understand what's going, and I'm sure there's this formula that's some secret formula that, the, that these people know about, uh, and they're using these secret formulas, and they're able to make movies and make a lot of money, presumably. I don't know what that formula is, um, but to me, it just doesn't make sense. And, you know, I, I particularly, it's funny, you know, I kind of put my, a little bit of money where my mouth is, but I have a, you know, another project that I'm, you know, I, I'd really love to find the financing for, um, but it kind of, it's fun because what it does is it, it's about, uh, it's not a horror film, but it's, it's, if I might, if I might take a second, you have a, a minute, maybe I can. Of course, certainly. I think yeah, it's in the sure. same vein as what you're, you're mentioning. It's not a horror film. It's kind of a action drama meets kind of romantic comedy to some degree. But what it is, it's about it's a, it. It, it kind of deals with a little bit of immigration issues, but it also deals with the whole kind of underwriting difference of culture between uh, Latin America or Mexico, more specifically in this case. But it could be South America. It doesn't really. I'm not just happen to use Mexico. And what it what it does is it is it follows an American um, law enforcement, federal law enforcement, is either DEA or whatever that might be down to Mexico and to deal with some drug cartel situations. And he ends up kind of connecting and partnering with the Federalists or whoever, or even a regional uh, a law enforcement agency down in Mexico. And what you do is you have two characters that are kind of, they're two female characters and one, and I do this intentionally because I'm kind of making fun of Hollywood a little bit. It starts out where one is presumably a really tough, badass, federalist law enforcement officer, female, uh, Mexican. And then the opposite of the spectrum is this really beautifully, beautiful, very sexy Mexican weather girl, right? And so you're like, oh, geez, here we go again. It's the <laughs> tough girl I wanted. And I, but I'm actually, that's not what, but I'm actually having fun with it because what I do is you take both of these characters and that you then see the breakdown of the complete depth of the character. And so with the, you know, with the, uh, the strong, you know, kind of badass, presumably, 
you then then you throughout the film you see her become more vulnerable and you see her backstory and you see her you know trying to do one job and not you know maybe maybe be, she wants to be an actress but fails and you know she has relationship issues but she's she's you know she's true to her you know her her, her mom and you know her mom was a big part of her life so you get to, you get to see the real depth of a human right and then you have the on the opposite of the spectrum you start with this you know uber sexy uh, think like, you know, um, I don't want to name names of stations, but think, uh, you know, like more of a Latin American, you know, uh, weather program, right? And so, mm-hmm. you know, and there's there's kind of spoofs on that all day long. But what you do is you take that character and you and that character you end up seeing this. She's actually very intellectual, kind of nerdy, goofy, uh, sometimes awkward you know, very committed to her dad, and, you know, there's this whole drama going on there, and, you know, she ends up being this person that ends up exposing this big problem going on, and there's this, and it's so, so it's, you start out of this typical Hollywood cliche bullshit, you know, kind of like BS, and you get, and then you actually dive into their characters, and it really kind of, it, 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 it not exposes, but it breaks down the true wonder and beauty and amazing properties that is semi, you know, somewhat unique to Latin American females and their culture, right? And you then see why as their characters develop back to the present time or or towards the end of wow, this is like a complete eye-opener through the eyes of this kind of gringo going down to South, or, you know, say Central America or Mexico or South America and and kind of playing in this world um, that's much bigger than he is. You know, here's this American thinking, you know, he knows what he's doing, and he goes down there and he realizes these people are amazingly awesome. And in the end of the, you know, film, for, for you know, he has to go back to the United States, and there's a there's a whole struggle here with that. And everything. So it's just really, it's a fun, it's a fun, it's going to be just amazing. I, you know, the funding, though, I got it, that they, the, the budget's going to be, you know, unfortunately a lot larger than than what I can you know, raise money for at this point. So hopefully somebody will hear this and say, oh, I like that guy. Maybe I can, <laughs> you know, but it's, it's, but the people that I know that, uh, that are, that are filmmakers or, or, um, you know, in, in, in my circles, they're just, you know, kind of blown away by what, you know, the, what this film can actually do. So it's, it's anyway, you know, I won't bore you because that's not the point of the conversation, but, but thank you for saying that, I guess, you know, and, and, recognizing that. And I know Enid and, and, uh, you know, we had a good, good talk, you know, about a year ago, actually. So a little over a year ago. So, but anyway, thank you for, thanks for, for bringing that out. Really. It was you that yeah. did it. I was just doing my job and you brought it out. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're, you're welcome. And, um, touching up on, on, on the script that you have just described, um, is there a way that you could put that, uh, project on crowdfunding sources i'm sure there are a lot in the audiences and filmmakers oh i think so and it's not the it wouldn't be crazy but i mean we're not talking i mean the budget really wouldn't be because i could pull a lot of resources um that i have access to and relationships with you know for example there's a there's a you know there's a, there's a few helicopter scenes um with you know and I, I can get access to that i mean that's not a big deal there's a lot of news station shots, like, you know, because a lot of this, some of this takes place in the news station. 
so I think that with some partnerships, I think that would probably work. So really, it's just more of them. And what I would do is I would go cast an actual. I would I would cast people, certainly the two leading females. I would cast in, you know, if I'm if I'm shooting in Mexico City, I would cast in Mexico City, and I would make sure that I cast someone that, you know, the Latin population or wherever it would really know these people and really love them, and and it would be. It wouldn't. I wouldn't cast like. In other words, I wouldn't cast like a an American Latina act, actress to play that part. It would be a true, you know, a re, you know what I'm saying, like an actual Mexican actress who who lives in Mexico City or who actually does this. You know what I'm saying? I wouldn't. I would. I would want to play on that. And I don't play that in a bad way. I'm saying I wouldn't want to manipulate the outcome. But what I'm saying is, I would hope my goal would be to get some sort of support from a big news station, you know, in Guadalajara or in, or in Mexico city or something, you know, like, because I would, I would hope that what it would do would, would maybe bring more, um, English legitimacy, which that seems ridiculous to say, but more like English, American or English speaking recognition to the quality of the programming. Mm-hmm. You know, for example, right now, um, I have Unvision, um, on in the background, that I, you know, and and so I don't really speak Spanish that well, but I guess what I'm saying is like the quality of the pro, the quality of the, the production quality is just is insanely good, and you know, there's just so many things that that we in the United States think we're awesome at, uh, or think we're the only ones that can do certain things, and really that's not the case. In fact. Um, you know, take like uh, this is a really bad example. Really, and I understand this, but take Ricky Martin for example, right? When did when did we get the Ricky Martin invasion? What was that like? Early two thousands, maybe two thousand two thousand two thousand one. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, it was a quite a so year back. I was, yeah. yeah, I was listening to Shakira like in the nineties, right? And I didn't speak Spanish. I had no idea a lot of what she was saying at the time. But I was like, this just this chick is just insanely good. Right. And so it was weird because. Now, fast forward to like 1999, 2000, I'm still a listener, and, and um, you know, I'm, and people are like, who is that? I'm like, oh, it's just, you know, she's, um, I, think she's a, I think she's Colombian and Lebanese, maybe. I forgot the diversity. I forgot the, you know, ethnic breakdown. But, you know, and then Ricky Martin, and it was interesting because a couple friends of mine at the time had got back from China, and they said, yeah, there's this guy that's huge in China right now. His name is Ricky Martin, and nobody knew who that was, and then he exploded here. You know what? A year or two later, and then you know we had we had um, uh, oh God, who did we have? We had we had um, Enrique Iglesias, super talented, you know, and then we had uh, Mark Anthony and some other some others. But but the point is, is that was going on? That's the Julio Iglesias. I mean, you you go back to my mom. You know, when I was younger, was listening to Julio Iglesias. <laughs> yeah. You know, and our Camaro. You know, we're not right. like, we're not Latino. We're not Latino, and we're listening to Julio Iglesias, and you know, who's the, the bomb? And so maybe it's a Florida thing. I don't really know, but, um, you know, and then, you know, a good bit of my friends are Cubans, uh, Cuban-Americans, you know, here. But, you know, to me, it's just kind of normal. So I don't really um, – but anyway, back to what you were saying with, with, this, with this film. Yeah, I mean, the budget wouldn't be insane because I could really pull a lot of partnerships and get it done. It would just basically be locations and um, some kind of larger-than-life you know, locations that you would see remnant of maybe like a, or familiar in, I don't know, like a, 
Tom Clancy film or something, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like a little, maybe like a mansion with some helicopters landing. I mean, something that you would see, you know, of a film about a drug cartel or something. I mean, it's not impossible, you know, but it's not, it's not like the budget that I'm typically raising. So, but it's all the same stuff. I mean, it's just management. So, I mean, if you can manage, you mean, you can manage things. It's no different. It's just add another zero to the end of the budget, you know, and that's really what you're talking about. So it's all the same stuff. So, um, you know, the headaches might be a little bit bigger, but, but really it's, I mean, inoperable and another couple of films I did, the, the crew was just as big as, you know, you know, certainly on the days we were filming on location, you know, we're, we're decently sized where it felt like a normal big budget or a bigger budget film. So, um, but that would be a dream for me to shoot that that film that I was talking about. I'm more of I like drama, I like some comedy, but I like love stories, and it's a cute, it's a beautiful love story. But this American that falls in love with this 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 Latina, and um, she basically changes his entire. It sounds cliche, but the way it's done, I mean, he changes her, she changes his complete, you know. And we have a lot of fun with like the stereotypes where he's used to the stereotypes that Hollywood has injected into American culture and, you know, pop culture. And it basically takes all the stereotypes and makes fun of them right at the beginning and embraces them. And you're like, oh, this is going to be another BS kind of Hollywood, you know. And then it very quickly you learn like, oh, hell no, this is a real deep, there's a lot more going on here in a fun kind of goofy, cute, pretty kind of way. So. Um, I could talk about that for hours and hours, so I'm not going to waste <laughs> a lot of time with that. But anyway, but I'll keep you updated, of course. But if I, but you know, I have a, I have kind of some tricks up my sleeve with maybe how I could get that done. But it's going to take a lot of relationships that I don't currently have. So I'm going to have to really kind of dig deep and see what I could pull off. But I'm telling you, it would be really an anthem for, and I'm not trying to you know to patronize anyone. I'm just saying. It would really be, it's really an anthem to, you know, Central and South American female and male cultures as well, but really just showing how awesome, you know, a quarter of the world really is that we just don't get to really understand and, and here in the United States. So, you know. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Definitely looking forward to to, to that project. Uh, oh, I love it. Look, you'd be my so you you get us. I promise you get a set invite. Even though you're doing horror stuff, you you you'll have to switch it up just for that one. So, exactly. Uh, <laughs> if that ever happens, uh, you're you're my guy. So uh, <laughs> exactly. Oh, uh, and one other thing that an operable does stand up to is the strong female lead, and we have Daniel Harris, of course, sure. uh, icon in in, in horror. Uh, tell us a bit more about uh, this character's evolution, and it's quite an evolution from Act One to Act Three. When you're, let me tell you, I have to congratulate you again. I'm not just saying this on the phone because I've read a lot of reviews on Inoperable, and some were from some were from bigger uh, outlets, and some were from smaller outlets. And I will tell you, and 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 then I'll, I'll pick on you for a second, but I will tell you. Overall, I've been like really surprised, like pleasantly surprised at the level of critique and recognition uh, that these that these smaller outlets, uh, especially the horror, the horror sites, the horror magazines, have really kind of um, figured it out. Some of the better, I don't want to, I'm not going to call names, but some of the bigger outlets. Uh, 
I'm not so sure a few of these people actually watched the film because when you watch the film, it's kind of obvious what's happening. I mean, not obvious, but towards the end, it's kind of a gotcha kind of. Oh my God, no, no wonder. You know, you you realize a lot of it. But some of these some of these uh, reviews, I'm not so sure they didn't fast forward through it. You know, so I'm not, I don't, I'm not going to, I mean, they not, might not be the case, but when I'm reading, I'm like, did they actually watch this movie or, or, or they were they looking at something else? So I've lost some, I've lost some personal respect and I don't want to, I'm not, like I said, I'm not going to defame anybody. I'm not going to do any of that. I'm not going to name names, but I've, I've personally lost, I've, I've lost some, some respect for some of them, uh, just based on some of the. I don't know, not get it. like you, you know, you, I can start naming some people that definitely got it, but you guys certainly did. And I'm not saying all the, all the reviews were great of the people that I respect that actually figured this out because there are some issues that I know of that I wasn't a big fan of in the film. And when I watch it, I, I you know, I, I'm kicking myself. I wish I could have done, a, you know, a, some things different. Um, and some of the critics, pull that out and I'm like, yeah, you know, I wasn't a big fan. And I'm like, and I'm reading and I'm like, yeah, yeah, you got it. You know, it's kind of like, you know, at, at a wedding, you know, the, 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 I don't know, the, the, the rice was not as white as it could be. I don't know. I'm just making something up. You know, the lighting was, you know, a little dim or something. The food wasn't as good. Um, and I'm the bride and I'm like, yeah, you're right. The food wasn't as good as it could have been. But that's kind of the situation. So it's easy in hindsight, sight, but, you know, people have to remember and you know this, but oh, and I had some. I had one review that was very interesting because it kind of, it kind of picked on the film a little bit. But the way it picked on the film, I don't think the the reviewer really intended. But they actually made paid me a huge compliment because what they basically said is they weren't a big fan of some of the acting. But and they but they said and they said for such a big, I don't know if they said big budget or big, big. I don't know what they Hollywood type of film. And I was like, no, our budget was really, really tiny. So the fact that you think it was a big budget film, you can, you can rip on some of the acting all you want. You know what I mean? <laughs> so right. you, but, but I will say that, that, uh, that, that this film was low. It, it, I don't want anybody to, when, when you watch it, the filmmakers out there, and it's certainly the, the horror fans, please understand that when you watch this film, I mean, this was on such a shoestring budget. And, you know, so, you know, we, you know, we're, we're, we, we, you know, I don't want to, I'm not making excuses for it, but I will tell you, you know, observant people, um, you know, will say, well, you know, this, you know, I, I'm, 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 you know, I'm getting what I think I'm going to get. And then, and it's fun. It's a fun experience. And if you like, look, if you like Daniel Harris, I mean, I don't know how you could do much better watching a film. I mean, the whole movie is, is effectively following not not the whole you know there's there's some scenes where you're not but what what do you think i mean ken what 95 percent, 90 percent of the movie it's daniel harris oh yes and i am a huge daniel harris fan (laughs) well and i like that kind of stuff there's some other things that i have in the works uh that i've been writing if if um you know i get a budget in this budget range right that would be another kind of film where it's a screen queen that you're following again. So if you like following your favorite Scream Queen, in this case, Danielle Harris, um, you might like following Scream Queen X2 in her adventures. So it's a, it's a, I think it's like a way of telling a story that, and I didn't do it intentionally. Like I didn't write this film for Danielle Harris. I just, we just wrote it 
And then Jeff Miller, who's the other producer, he was just very dialed into who are really great uh, screen queen actors. And he, he loved Danielle Harris. And, 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 you know, so we ended up ultimately casting her. Um, but the film was not written for her. So it, my point is, is, is she just crushed it. And, you know, but if, if you like following a strong, awesome female uh, character and then actress on top of that and then a name on top of that, I mean, you know, you got that all day long in this film. So, um, you know, and I can't really think, I don't know too many films where you're doing that. And really, she's almost like your avatar. Like in, in a way, if you're playing like a video game and you're a third person, you have like your your little, your character kind of out there. Yes. And she's almost like your care, you exploring this hospital. Yes. And because cause typically everything she does is, is really pretty intelligent, the character that is. Um, obviously, Danielle Harris is brilliant, but I'm just saying the character of Amy Barrett, she doesn't really do stupid things. I mean, pretty much what she's doing is she's, she's you know, trying to arm herself at, you know, times. She's guarded at certain times. You know, she's trying to figure certain things out. So, which is what maybe a viewer would be doing if a viewer was trying to figure this whole mess out. So, uh, but Danielle Harris, I mean... You know, you always hear these you always hear these these interviews with directors and producers and they kind of get boring after a while because everybody's saying, "Oh, he was a great person to work with or she was wonderful to work with." And I'm sure a lot of time that's true, but I will I will tell you having never worked with um, you know, people or you know, a, a person on the same league as Danielle Harris, I mean, it, the directing was for her. I mean, I didn't really and she's a she's a brilliant director in her own right, but she just kind of took the ball and ran with it. I mean, she's, you know, and, and that just goes to show how much, how serious she takes her roles. And so, you know, I mean, who am I to say that anyone should cast or not cast Danielle Harris? But I mean, well, in my opinion, you know, I'd cast her all day long for so not, not because any one particular reason of, oh, she looks the part or, you know, she was the best person for the job. I'm just saying that the sheer professionalism and, um, kind of awesomeness that is Danielle Harris is is really hard to you know hard to you know comprehend that is until you work with somebody like that you know so oh, she wow. just she just crushes it yeah and it's true I mean this is true I don't really I try not to BS people and I don't just fluff up you know things that aren't necessarily you know good or bad but she she really is incredible I mean Jeff Miller hit the nail on the head with with her I mean I, I can't. I, I will not take credit for that at all because I didn't. I didn't really know. I'm not a big. I don't really play in the horror film, although I, I've done that recently. That's not naturally what I, I gravitate towards. Although it has become that way. And and Jeff and there were some other names that we were looking at, and and those names you would definitely recognize. But you know, it, I'm gonna I'm gonna give him credit for that. I mean, he he definitely he got that one right, right on the money. Um, and he's very dialed into that. Um that genre and, 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 and who, who, who are the good ones and, and who people want to see. So hey, that, that's all Jeff Miller. I mean, I, all I can say is she was amazing to work with and, and um, I was privileged to do so. So. Uh, and, and it's, and it's funny that you bring up the part that uh, Daniel Harris character is more like an avatar because I've seen my share of films that is like a time travel like a time loop and the, the character has to go back in time and fix things but in inoperable i got the sense of fear dread out I, I really felt for the character 
And this is, I haven't seen that in other films. So Inoperable does succeed in a way that it emulates a video game aesthetic. That, that was awesome. It does, yeah. So thank you so much. So this is, see, Ken, you actually, look, for anybody listening out there, I don't, I've, Ken and I have never formally met. We don't hang out at the clubs. We don't go to restaurants <laughs> together. Well, I will tell you, anybody that's listening, this guy really gets it. And so you, you definitely, you, you absolutely got what we were going for. And what, what, yeah, I mean, for, let's forget, you know, the fact that Daniel Harris just absolutely just crushed it. Let's forget, let's forget that for a moment. But the actual character, Amy, as written, was, and as directed, but, but let's, let's again forget the, the fact that Daniel Harris was really made the character. But that's what the point was. We were trying to get these emotions, um, and not, not kind of, not those just kind of standard screaming kind of, you know, not that not the obnoxious kind of where you want the character to die. It's like, you know, that's the problem that I run into is, you know, you know, I'll step into a horror film or something and I'm like, I just hate everybody in here. Like, can everybody just please just die already? Or, or, and I'm sure that's some of the fun. And I think definitely horror movies are getting away from that because it's not believable anymore. But, but they, but, but she, she, the, the character, Amy, Again, it has a video game kind of feel to it, and and now you know cinematographer uh, Giorgio David. I mean, we did a lot, and, I, and I'm sure you picked up on this, um, but we did a lot of long takes, um, wanners as you you know as as, as, you, as some people call them, but very complex uh, takes where we didn't have a lot of coverage if if they didn't work out, but. Because, you know, we had confidence in our cinematographer, and I'd worked with him a couple times before, uh, and Danielle Harris, that is, and, and all the actors for that matter, but especially Danielle and the two leads, or the three leads, rather, Crystal, Katie, and Jeff Denton, um, they were able to pull off these these wonders. Um, and, it, and it gives you that kind of, you know, because you're running behind the characters. I mean, I know there's films where you're running behind characters, it's not new, but... but you make these quick dashes and they're running and making these direction changes and, and, and you can't, it's very hard to do that um, on, you know, in a, in a, in, from a filming standpoint. So I, we wanted it to have that, that feel of a video game. Like you could almost imagine playing a video game called an operable, the video game, I guess, where <laughs> you're not necessarily Amy, but you select a character right at the beginning and then you, you you fall into this universe and you have to solve these problems either, you know, uh, through open, you know, certain, not those annoying ones, you're going you know, to turn a wheel here and then a door opens, you know, in the next, you know, universe. But it's like, you kind of have to piece this together. But the time, you know, normal horror films, you're, you, you're scared in the three dimension, right? So like, you've got, you're, you're operating in three dimensions. You're operating in, you know, what's scary is there is something or someone or some sort of entity that has invaded your three-dimensional space, right? So if it's a, a serial killer running around behind you, you know, they've invaded your three-dimensional space. Uh, if it's a, uh, I don't know, a film, I don't want to name names, but a film where, you know, you're, you're documenting um, in the woods, so it's three-dimensional space. Uh, but with here, what we tried to do anyway was not only are the, thir- the three dimensions, you know, messed up, um, 
it's the fourth dimension screwed up too, and that's time. So you don't know, you can't plan out your course of action, right? You have to like realize that the time is against you as well. It's not just, you can't set a watch and say, oh, in one hour I need to solve this problem. It doesn't work that way. It's just, you better be working on it and you just better hope that you're you're not resetting back into the car before and then back in the hospital before you can solve the problem. Because, and you notice she gets a little smart, well, not little smarter, she gets much smarter throughout the film, or not smarter, but she, she gets more wise and is kind of picking up on these nuances and, you know, and then heroically uh, attempts to save everyone, but not in a, you know, a superhero kind of way, more in just a thoughtful what, you know, someone would try to do. You know, they're not going to take on, you know, 30 bad guys. I mean, they're going to try to sneak around, and if they see, if they're outnumbered, they're not going to engage them. I mean, that's kind of common sense, I would think, if you're in a real world. So I hope it feels a little more realistic, I guess. is the. And we also wanted to feel claustrophobic. So yes. you're running around in this hospital halls, and we want the viewer to almost get, like, not nauseated, but almost feel like, oh, my God, I can't really watch it. It's just too claustrophobic claustrophobic like that's kind of what we're going for we want an uneasy feeling and we want without shaking the camera around um because i think some some other you know films they'll, they'll take a camera and they'll you'll run around with it and it's it's almost intentionally shaky um, yes. but that your eyes don't look your eyes don't view things that way your eyes automatically kind of balance that out with your head however the physics of your body works but you know camera work doesn't work that way right if you're running with a camera if unless it's stabilized, it's going to look all jumpy and it's going to look like some film home video you filmed, you know, in 1978 or something. So we <laughs> we wanted to avoid that as much as possible, but we still wanted to get the flowing motion that you would see with your own eyes. And so, and we wanted you to feel claustrophobic and we wanted you to, you know, feel like, oh my God, I just need to get out of this place. Like you, the viewer. And so hopefully we accomplish that too for some people watching. Oh, yeah, definitely. And thank you so much for not including the shaky cam. Believe me, I'm very sensitive, even for video game perspective. And I get the vertigo real easy. That's why I'm not a big fan of found footage films. Yeah, uh, yeah. So, and it's yeah. natural to feel crappy when you watch those because your your eyes are telling you one thing, but your body's not moving. So it doesn't, right. it doesn't make sense. And so I just don't get it. And there's another, you know, there's another thing we did in another film, uh, the same cinematographer and I did, and we were very conscious about, there was a scene where two people are in an airport together. And, you know, you have the typical passengers in the background walking around. Well, what, what, what I feel like some filmmakers will do, they'll, they'll throw a, 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 an artifact or they'll throw like a, a person in, in front of the camera just to walk by. Like that's somehow realistic. Well, it's, it is realistic. You know, in an airport, somebody's going to cut in front of you. But we're not, we're not in an airport we're watching a movie and we're trying to show some certain action. So I feel like it gets very distracting if you start throwing in all these like presumably realistic events. It's right. like, that's just distracting. And so, cause what we don't want to do is, uh, you know, and my kid, this is hilarious. He just turned 11. Um, and he's, you know, he's of Latin descent. I mean, he's, 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 uh, American Indian, uh, Mexican. And then, I'm, you know, whatever, European or whatever I am. And, but what he picked up on maybe two years ago was hilarious. He said, he, you know, he's been a set with me and he says, look, he goes, he said something like, 
you know, you don't want to see the stand, the leg of a stand. He described it all wrong, but it was really cute. He goes, you don't want to see those metal legs on those stands because then people will know they're actually watching a movie and then, they, then, they, then they're not living in this world anymore. And I'm like, Dad, you just summed up like basically filmmaking kind of one-on-one, you know, <laughs> breaking down. The, and so I feel like when you start throwing in these shaky camera movements too much and you do these weird kind of like, I don't know, I don't, you know, it, it throws off. It just is too distracting. So I think there's a fine line. And I hope we aired, we, aired, we try to hear more on the side of smooth camera movements. And we wanted people, to, the filmmakers say, okay, that looked cool. Like, that was just a really cool shot. And so, and we shot these on, you know, good stuff. We shot them on, um, you know, Red, uh, Red Dragons or, yeah, the Red Dragon, so 6K. You know, we used, uh, you know, good uh, stabilization uh, tools and, and equipment. And, uh, you know, we did some weird dolly zooms. I don't know if you noticed those, but. Yes, yes. Those are fun because those are, I'm going to tell you right now, those are really hard to do, by the way, and I, I'm not a cinematographer, so, but whatever, but. But we wanted to make them look a little weird. Like when you look at a normal dolly zoom, I think it's very clean and it looks just really off. But we wanted to make it look just a little bit weird. And so, it, like, and we play with the sound effects in there with some of these dolly zooms. And it's just, it's just, you know, look, the film's not perfect, and I'm not. But I, but I will tell you, I think that it it, I think it did a good job of telling the story, you know, and I hope it, I really hope it's entertaining to people. And I hope people are like, Oh my God, is this, is this how the ending went? Or is that how the ending went? Like what, what is, uh, you know, what, what is the film? You know, what was that? It was weird. You know, that, that's kind of what I'm looking for. It's just a, right. a weird kind of, uh, experience, you know, for the viewer. And I wanted it to be a little more of an adventure and more something where you might not love it, you know, you might not love the movie. You know, I mean, you're going, oh, that was not the best movie I've ever seen. Fine, whatever. But what I at least wanted it to do was it give you a lasting impression where you had this feeling that something was really weird, you know, in the movie. There was this just, just, and we'd used all, we employed all these little kind of tricks that, you know, some people are going to pick up on, but just, 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 we just wanted an uneasy, almost, almost nauseating claustrophobic, uh, just unsettling feeling to the film. So that was kind of the goal there. Uh, it was awesome. No, I'm going to tell you, I enjoyed the film. And like I said, had a video game aesthetic. I enjoyed the character-driven narrative and especially the Latina element. Oh, good. In my book, that was it was well worth the wait. We were waiting it since the fall of last year. <laughs> yeah, you guys were waiting a long time. And that, and a lot of that is just, you know, you like I said, you get into these deliver for the for the non filmmakers out there, you get into these deliverable stages. And it's you're basically having to hunt down you know, you, you gotta hunt down all these files and, and there's always a you know, some issue that you gotta fix and you know, there'll be a channel of audio that's not you know, perfect, or there's a color thing, you know, we'll see later that we're not real big fan of, so we'll go back and rush back into post and, and fix some things. And that's kind of because I'm, 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 I try to be very hands-on, even in post-production, and, and, and review and review and review and review footage. Um, so it, it, we try to make it a lot more refined find than, you know, than maybe... You. And our goal was not to go to festivals with this. It was really to get it distributed. And, and, and so we... You know, we submitted to a few festivals, got into a few, but that really wasn't our goal. I mean, they're fun, but our goal was just to just to get it out there. And and I really, 
it's so frustrating, Ken, because, you know, I've had, I've had people like you uh, who are like, man, wait, come on, I want to see this. I'm like, I want to see it too, man. I mean, like, I've seen it, obviously, but I'm like, I want you to see it too. Believe me, nobody wants you to see this more than I do. And actors, I felt, you know, actors were like, when can my mom see this movie? And I'm like, I know, I know, let's just, you know. Because the distributor, you know, they have, there's a whole formula they use, you know, for when they're going to time releases and, and they know they know that job. I'm not gonna. I'm not about to tell a distributor how to do their job. I mean, those people are experts at what they do. So, and ITN's been great. So they they, you know, I just want to make sure that you know everybody, um, you know, knows that it's it's probably the most frustrating for the filmmaker that their film hasn't been released yet. You know, or or, exactly. or out. But it's definitely going to be out. I mean, it's already it was already in theaters, like I said. And and I think there is a a, a solid release date. Um, let me see if I've. I was going to say I could try to pull it up, but I don't. I know it's like the one of the first. See the first Tuesday, or let me see in February. I think it's February. I think it might be February fifth if I had to just go off the top of my head. But it's 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 like the first or second Tuesday. Uh, in um, no, I thought I had my calendar, but I don't. So anyway, sorry, sorry about that false start. Yeah, not a problem. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, I mean, no, I'm really glad you you liked it. Um, and I hope hope people do too. But I think you you know your reader certainly if you're reading, um, you know horror blogs or magazines or, or or you just like that, that's really the audience that I think will get a lot out of it. Um, I think it's the, the casual horror viewer. Maybe you know they might appreciate it, but I don't think that's not really who you know we were going after. Uh, and this was not this was not a recipe kind of film. Like we weren't. We weren't just trying to check the boxes. Like we were really trying to make something unique. And and I and I you know, I had when I wrote it, I, I really wanted that strong female lead because I felt that, you know, female horror audiences or fans is is another, you know, under under reported um not underrepresented, but well underrepresented as well, but under reported viewership, right? And so um, you know, I think that they'll get it. I mean, I think that especially females, I think will just, and if you love Danielle Harris, I mean, it's hard to go wrong. Here. So, um, you know, I hope, I hope to do another film that we've got that are similar, not similar, but the, the technique is similar in that it's all about the leading actress. So, um, there's a couple of them, and, you know, kind of in, in the discussion, whether or not, whether or not those will happen, uh, you know, who knows, but, um, but we'll, we're, we're working on it and we'll see. So got to raise money, you know, no, no, uh, no money, no movie. So we got to exactly. Raise money. Yeah. Unfortunately. So, uh, that, but yeah, you know, we'd all be doing the, really cool stuff if that was the case. <laughs> yeah. And that's, that's the life of a filmmaker. Always. The oh, totally. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> you know, and the other thing too, and, and speaking of that, it's, it's really difficult because you might, you know, you might, you might have a, a, a you know, somebody listening to this who might be, you know, or are in an artist themselves and have this idea that's so profound um, and world changing. I mean, you might have the next, you know, we might have the next, um, I don't know, like, you know, John Carpenter or whatever. I mean, sit down, you never know, or Quentin Tarantino listening to this. I mean, you might have the next one of those people. And the problem is, is don't, you know, the, the, the sad part is, is there's some people out there and, and, and I think horror is, is really kind of, where you're going to find those those guys and girls is there's some 
people out there, writers, you know, maybe people like you that are that are that have the idea, and unfortunately, they'll know the world will never know about it because you know either Hollywood is is too closed, you know, closed off, or there's a budget issue. You know, you can never raise the budget, or they just don't have the either the financial resources or whatever. And so I kind of feel not guilty, but a little, you know, because I was able to make something that by no means is the best movie out there. I wanted to be the best movie. That is not clearly, but, um, but, you know, I think that I just want to say that um, my sympathy or, or not sympathy, my, my empathy rather is so strong for storytellers um, out there because the best idea hasn't been found yet. And, and there's someone somewhere that literally has the next Jaws or, or, or whatever, Alien franchise. And unfortunately, the tragedy is the world will never know about it because it's just so, this world is so kind of controlled or, I don't know, it feels like a royal family running it or something. I mean, you just, just can't get out there. I just, I'm so happy and fortunate and lucky that I was able to shoot it, you know, tell my story and, and get distribution. I mean, to me, you know, I hope it makes its money back on the film, and I hope it profits. But the fact of the matter is, for an artist to actually get people to see their work is really the biggest, and to talk about it, Ken, is the biggest reward for a filmmaker there is. I mean, if, you know, if, you know, so it's distribution. You know, we're making the film. You know, check one, check two is getting it distributed. Check three, getting to talk about your film, and then the the grand slam is you you know making all your money back and then some. So, you know, to me, I feel very, I'm like just fortunate and happy as can be that, that this film actually, you know, saw the light of day and is out there, you know, for distrib- you know, for, for people to see starting February, you know. Absolutely. Yeah. Congratulations for the, for everything and the production and uh, best of luck into your, your next okay. projects. Thank you. Well, I'll definitely keep you in the loop and, and, uh, you know, for sure. And, um, you know, feel free to you know, obviously reach out and I'm here and, and, uh, you got my, my info and, you know, I hope people really like it. We have, we do have another film that we are in pre-production. We're actually, we're going to be shooting in January that I can't really give you too much details. I'm a producer. I'm, I'm, I'm one of the producers on it. Uh, it's a very small film, but that will, we're pretty sure that will get distribution as well. And that is going to be a really fun a really cool, unique, in a, in a similar way that Inoperable was a little unique, this is a completely different kind of unique. It's going to appear one way, and then you'll see there's, there's, it ends up turning out completely different. And um, you'll see that that will be coming out. Um, I'll keep you updated on that, and um, we'll hook you up with the director when that, when that comes oh, out. Oh, yeah, thanks for the hookup. Yeah, totally. <laughs> this, this one is going to be fun. We're shooting... I think we start production on January 15th. So we're in pre-pro right now and uh, locations, we're getting all the locations, all the locations are secured. We've got a crew. We had a big crew meeting last night, a three hour, big uh, three hour crew meeting last night. Um, we got, we're, we're cast up, everything's ready to rock and insurance is in place, workman's comp. I mean, everything's ready to roll. We're just, we're waiting on those dates. So um, we've got, we've got uh, our cinematographer is a, uh, is a female who, um, is extraordinarily good and uh we're gonna you guys are gonna see some cool stuff coming so uh, i'll certainly keep you in the loop on that so feel free please reach back out to me you know the first quarter of next year and i'll have some more info for you on that. 
Great. Yeah, I'll definitely I'll mark it on my calendar. Definitely. And and thank you so much. So you know, it's a slasher horror film, so it'd be right oh, up. You know, right oh, right. yeah. <laughs> yep. oh, Great. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely some blood. Great. Thank you. Thank you so much yeah. for all this delightful, informative, uh, and, and personal information. And I mean personal, isn't it? A very heartfelt in, uh, information that you've provided in this interview. Thank you so much for your oh, time. Oh, please. Thank you so much, Ken. And I really like you. You, uh, If it wasn't for you and um, people in your industry and your level, I mean, nobody would ever hear from us. So you're the, you're the outlet for that. So, I mean, you know, I really hope your your listeners and your viewers and your the people you know at home reading is is really appreciate how hard you know you guys your guys work is because you guys are the storytellers of the storytellers. And if it wasn't for you guys, nobody would ever know what we thought. And so, um, thank you, you know, you know beyond I beyond appreciated that it, that you and Enid and and other and other uh, reporters in, the, in these in these worlds are are around. So I thank you so much. You're very much welcome, and happy New Year and happy holidays to you and your family. Yeah, same to you. Same to you. Stay warm. You're in New York, right? You guys yes, New York? yes, we are. Yeah, stay warm out there. That was just, yeah, stay warm, man. 